All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Let's talk about the Canada-U.S. border mm-hmm. and uh, when it will be reopened. So Trudeau uh, tipping his hand a bit yesterday saying uh, we're looking at August now, mm-hmm. correct? What yeah, he so say? he says uh, looking at mid-August to uh, fully vaccinated people crossing the border. I reported on Global Last Night based on my sources in the B.C. government that they were looking at August 21st as a potential opening. Uh, the current uh, closure ex- expires on July 21st, which is just a few days from now. This Wednesday. That's my understanding. That's going to be extended. No surprise. Uh, the vaccination numbers are really high enough in the states yet to uh, warrant opening the border. The other thing, talking to some officials in BC government again yesterday, pointed out if tests are required to cross the border, if you have to produce a negative test, likely a rapid test uh, for COVID-19, there's nothing at land border crossings right now to allow that to happen. We see it at airports, but we don't see it at, at see, you look at the, the Douglas border crossing. There's nothing there, um, to allow for a, a COVID test to be, to be conducted and to be, and to be, uh, tested. So that has to be in place and that's going to take some time. Well, are they going to require a rapid test or are they simply going to require proof of double vaccination? We don't, we, well, I think both. I think you're going to see really? proof of double, uh, double dose full vaccination and likely a, a test as well. But again, we haven't got the details. But it's looking like mid-August, August 21st is going to be the day for uh, for reopening. We had yesterday the announcement that the cruise ship industry is going to come back earlier than anticipated. It had been February of 2022. Now it's November, as you mentioned just a few moments ago with Barry Penner. Um, so again, we're starting to open up, but you know, again, November first is still a long way away for cruise ships. Yeah, still a lot of unanswered questions about those cruise ships too, because Barry Penner is the former Attorney General of the province, of course, but now rep- works with the cruise ship industry. He's saying, yeah, they've said, well, it'll be allowed likely on November first, but it's going to be subject to all kinds of health and safety protocols, and they haven't told us what the protocols are. So we need well, to get sure, up and running and start planning. I'm sure full vaccination is going to be yeah. part of the one of the requirements, right. and likely some testing as well. Right. Okay, let's listen to uh, Omar Algebra, who is the federal transportation minister who was in B.C. yesterday uh, talking about when the border will reopen. Here's what he said. As you know, we've announced uh, phase one of opening our borders to fully vaccinated eligible travelers on July 5th. Uh, we are working and, and we've also committed to Canadians that as we were reopening, we want to do it in a phased approach, in a prudent approach to ensure that it's done safely. Uh, soon we'll be announcing our next uh, phase of reopening. As far as discussions with the U.S. on the land border, that is ongoing. Uh, Minister Blair is leading these conversations. I don't have anything to announce right now, but I know these discussions are ongoing. Okay, it's the Federal Transportation Minister. Well, there, all this know. talk about opening the border is happening as the infections surge in the United States. And what's happening in the United States is largely unvaccinated people, of which there are many, uh, who refuse to get vaccinated for any number of reasons are starting to get the Delta variant in increasing numbers. I did a report last night on the difference between Washington State and BC. Washington State's got its numbers down, but we're start- suddenly seeing a stubborn plateau down there. So it, from July 9th to 13th, just took a four day window. We were averaging 43 cases a day. They were averaging more than 500 cases a day. We had zero people die of COVID-19. They had 30 people die of COVID-19. Wow. We had 11 people in hospital. They had 240 people in hospital. If you look at a map of Washington State, there's lots of them available online, and you can see where their vaccinations are. Down south in three counties, Fenton, 
uh, or so Franklin, Dent, Benton, and Walla Walla, where the vaccination rate is in the 30% range, uh, where thousands of people, we're talking about 300,000 people down there, 30% vaccinated. So, you know, uh, 200,000 people refusing to get vaccinated. It's okay. not like our low vaccination areas, which have relatively low population. Okay, you'd always think, I guess it's a bit surprising in some ways, because you think of Washington state as like a red state, a Democrat state that would be essentially pro-vaccination i mean if you overlap the kind of the political map in the united states with vaccination rates it seems to be like the republican blue states are the ones that are anti-vax exactly so why is that happening in washington state because washington if you take any american state or not every american many american states you take a blue state uh you can see it's blue in the urban centers but it's red in the in the countryside and that's washington state king county uh, Seattle, very strong vaccination numbers. Once you get outside of there, a little down south of, uh, even in, in King County, parts of King County have low vaccination rates. So, yeah, it's a red state. Uh, it's a blue state, but there's pockets of red, and there's significantly large ones. Okay, but we've got to get the border reopened at some point, right? This can't go on forever. Now, let me play this here for you. This is uh, Christian Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister, talking about uh, negotiations with the Americans to get that border open. We are looking closely at what the next step would be, particularly when it comes to fully vaccinated or fully vaccinated American neighbors. And that is a conversation which is happening in close collaboration with the leaders of the provinces and territories. Okay, it's complex, though, right? Lots of talks going on behind Lots the scenes. Lots of talks. There's tremendous pressure being brought to bear on both federal governments by the tourism and hospitality sector, which really are getting crushed in this pandemic, arguably more than any other sector. And they're about to go through a second summer of lost revenue. But they can get some of that back if the thing if the border reopens uh, in mid-August. But it's not going to. I just can't believe it's not going to be extended. The border yeah. closure will be extended uh, after it expires July twenty first. It's going to go for another month. Okay, let's talk about the wildfires. We still have three hundred fires burning in the province. I had Mike Farnworth on mm-hmm. the show this morning, the Solicitor General. He was my first guest, and we talked about the resources on the ground and the current status of the fires. We also got into this issue about whether there should be a state of emergency declared in British Columbia. We had one during the pandemic. They've called a state of emergency during many other previous wildfire seasons. So far this time, uh, they have not done that. Lots of lots of pressure on this government to call that state of emergency. Now, here's what he had to say to me, Keith, and I'll get your thoughts on it. Mike Farnworth. The Wildfire Act uh, already allows uh, fire crews to access private property, to access anywhere they need to, to fight uh, a fire. Um, every available tool that is needed to fight fires is there right now, um, to, uh, to, uh, for, for, to, to fight fires in this province, uh, a provincial state of emergency will not put in place additional resources that are not already there. Okay, your thoughts? Well, I've had lots of conversations with Mike Farnworth on this. I've had correspondence with uh, Peter Millibar and Todd uh, Stone and the Liberal Caucus. You've had them on. Uh, there seems to be a real difference of opinion between the Liberal Caucus and Mike Farnworth in, in the Wild Sur- Fire Service over what a, a, a emergency, emergency declaration can do or can't do. You just heard Farnworth sort of dispute the talking points from the Liberal Caucus. The, but, you know, the Liberals, you know, they they're represent the fire zone. You know, Peter, yeah. uh, Peter Millibar, Todd Stone, Shirley Bond, Mike Morris. I mean, these are... Corley Oaks. These are the MLAs in where the fires are raging. So they're sticking up for their community. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And but Farnworth's coming back with uh, sort of counter arguments. But Farnworth, I just talked to him today, says don't rule out 
uh, a state of emergency being declared at some point this summer. But also pointed out at this time in 2017, when there was a state of emergency, a lot of it was tied to evacuations. At this time in 2017, I think something like 5,000 people were in the Prince George Evacuation Center. Today, there's 130. If those evacuation numbers start to grow, I think there's yeah. going to be a state of emergency. Okay, but the pressure continuing to rise, and it's not just politics going on. I mean, you've got the Liberals and the Green Party, by the way, both calling for that state of emergency. And one of the regional districts. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah. You've got a growing list of municipalities in this sort of smoke-choked fire zone in the interior saying, please invoke this state of emergency. This is what we want. Yesterday, I had the guy who's the head of the Cattle Ranchers Association. Same thing. Can, can call, call the state of emergency. I'm just wondering... You know, what is the downside to calling it? I mean, why not, at the very least, you'd give the public a sense of confidence yeah, I, that I, you're I, doing everything you can? I, that's a good point. I think that's maybe where we're headed. Like, why not declare a state of emergency just to, again, if if nothing else, to satisfy the, the concerns of the local regional governments and MLAs. I mean, that they're not a, a voice that should be ignored. Um, perhaps there is a difference of opinion what an emergency act declaration can do, but uh, you're right. I'm not sure what the downside of calling one would be. Let me play a Mike Morris clip for you. This is the liberal critic for public safety at Prince George MLA, um, former solicitor general, so he used to have Farnworth job. And here's what he said to me just a short time ago about this. The, uh, the bureaucratic process of, of approval. So if we have a fire boss in Canham Lake, for an example, who needs resources uh, in Canham Lake, he can go out and find those resources either locally or wherever he needs them in the province to go and do that without having to go through the chain of command. That's that's one of the technicalities that uh, um, that's involved here. So he says this is about cutting red tape for local firefighting efforts, and Farnworth is kind of saying, well, come on, everything is being done now. There's nothing being held up is what basically what it comes I've to. I've not heard any on-the-ground evidence that some something's being held up, but uh, again, Morris is former Solicitor General, so you know he's got some expertise in this field. Again, this is an, ar- an argument that's become a political argument at one level. Uh, it's going to go on for some time, but again, we're at the beginning of the fire season, not at the end, so... Is there going to be a, a, a state of emergency declaration? I think the odds would favor one being called yeah, sooner I, than later. I think so, too. All right, it's Baldry's Beat. My guest is Keith Baldry from Global News. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Peter in Vancouver. Hi, Peter. Hey, Mike. Good morning. First off, compliments to you and Keith. You've got the best radio going in Vancouver. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Yeah, my, my wife and I flew down to Seattle last week to see our grandkids. Hadn't seen them in 17 months. We followed wow. all protocols in Vancouver. Got to see TAC on the way back, and we took the PCR NAT test at 200 bucks a piece, no. thinking, as uh, the protocol says, that would get us into YVR. We got to YVR, we're put into a line, we're double vaccinated, we're put into a line, and they gave us the same PCR NAT test that we had had four hours earlier. No. My point is, the government pays for that in Vancouver. Why? What a waste of taxpayers' money! Yeah, yeah. So this is this is a moving situation, uh, evolving situation. I talked. I've talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix about this. This is still to be worked out. Private tests versus publicly funded tests. Uh, it's one thing at the at the airport where there's a lot of people, but nowhere near the number of land crossings, which is going to be an enormous undertaking. If we require a test on land crossings, uh, you make a good point. Who pays for that? Is it going to be private or is it going to be public? Two hundred bucks. That's a lot. My, my buddy and his wife were just down uh, across the border. They paid two fifty each. It's five hundred bucks yeah. for a test. Let's go to uh, Andrew and Cash Creek. Hi, Andrew. 
Hey, good morning. I was just wondering if there's any coordination between like uh, the state of emergency and the federal election. Maybe Trudeau can't call an election when a province is in a state of emergency. No, I don't think that's the case. Uh, interesting you bring up the federal election, though. We were going to talk about that before the break because um, I'm hearing increasingly that Trudeau's going to go on vacation for a couple weeks in August, 10 days or so, then come back and likely uh, issue the writ then. Call the election for mid-September. Uh, take advantage of a very... Uh, slow August when nobody's paying attention gives makes it very hard for Aaron O'Toole to get a lot of oxygen at a time when people are at the, at the cottages or they're camping or they're just not paying attention to politics. Shortens the campaign, basically, in reality, and presents really only a two-week campaign in terms of the public eye in September. So that's the rumor. Not saying we know that for sure, but that seems to be the buzz out there. But in terms of state of emergency, I don't think that has any impact. Okay, I think that sounds like a very likely possible scenario there for an election timetable. And get the border open, too, right? Like, would it be Take open, advantage of that. open the border, call the election? Yeah. Oh, exactly, or, right. or vice versa. Right, okay. Paul and Lady Smith. Hi, Paul. Yeah, good morning. Um, I've been Googling. I've been trying to figure out if the Colson uh, group in Port Alberni, they used to fly the Martin oh, Mars. Farmer. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, They've outfitted a half a dozen 737s, I believe, but they ran a piston match with Christy Clark years ago. They didn't want to pay standby time for the Martin Mars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was wondering if Horgan's hired them because they only seem to be working in California and, and Australia. Good yeah, question. that's. I was actually Googling that uh, as well, and that's as far as I got, uh, them being used in Australia. Uh, but again, not, this, not I couldn't see a, a today reference to that. This was a couple of years ago, so I'm not really sure what the state of the Colson fleet is. Okay, there's another company in BC called Safeguard uh, that's located in northern British Columbia. It's got this amazing kind of water wall technology to fight mm-hmm. forest fires, and I got the head of him coming on later oh, on good. the show because he says they're ready to roll too, and they're waiting for the government to deploy them. Let's go to Trevor in Victoria. Hi, Trevor. Yes, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, just wanted to make a comment. There's hundreds of thousands of Canadians that own uh, vacation properties and, uh, you know, throughout the states. And it's uh, it's really important uh, that, that we get to, uh, you know, go and inspect our properties. Most of us, uh, you know, locked the front door 15, 16 months ago mm-hmm. and haven't been able to get back. I mean, can you imagine doing that to any home? Uh, it, it, it's a worry. And, uh, you know, we, we need uh, we need access. So I'd yep. like to see that happen. And uh, mm-hmm. I also make a, a comment about the uh, cruise ship industry. We get a newsletter from our homeowners association down there. One of the advertisers is a uh, travel agency. They're advertising cruises from uh, San Diego and Los Angeles. And they're advertising that they're stopping in Vancouver and Victoria next year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, I think it's a bit of a red herring to to expect that the cruise ships aren't going to stop in Canada anymore. I think it's still going to be very popular. Thanks for the call. I think you're right. I mean, why would the cruise ships not want to stop in Vancouver and Victoria? I mean, it's a well, nice experience for their customers, right? Yeah, Barry Penner, uh, when I talked to him a while ago, said one obstacle potentially is the dock fee, dockage fees mm. that they pay. He says they've increased over and above the rate of inflation, which seems to be a bit of an issue with uh, the industry. Perhaps that can be worked out. But I, I agree with the caller. I think at the end of the day, you are going to see cruise ships return. we only got a minute. Janice, you got to go quick. Go ahead. Oh, hi, quick. Uh, my daughter lives just outside of Seattle. She's been double-vaxxed literally for months. Um, and I have no idea, and I don't understand why they can't come across the border to visit. I know the Delta variant is high, but what's the difference between 
an American being double vaxxed and us being double vaxxed. 20 seconds. Like I say, this is evolving. The border's going to open sometime this summer, I'm sure of it. But uh, I think you're just going to have to be patient because, again, the Delta variant and the vaccination numbers in the States remain a concern, and that may be troubling to border officials.